Thank you, praise team. Um, as Debbie mentioned, we are very fortunate to have uh, Pastor Chip Herrera and his wife uh, Krista with us here this morning, so welcome. Pastor Chip... Pastor Chip uh, serves currently as the uh, executive pastor over in uh, Community Bible Church in Brighton. And uh, Pastor Chip, we look forward to hearing the message that the Lord has for you for us this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, good morning. So good to be with you guys. I'm excited to be here. I uh, may or may not have championed John to be one of the guys that got to speak in between uh, him arriving, but part of the reason for that is because I'm excited for you guys as a church. I'm excited uh, for John and Christina as they are taking this step. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting John about three years ago. We've been a part of a pastoral encouragement group. Some of, some of his role and some of mine tend to obviously bleed over what he's currently doing. And uh, so we've been able to pick each other's brains and just become good friends and had dinner at their house. And so we just want to be here and encourage you this morning. Uh, we are excited for you and just know that we're praying for you as this season happens. As they mentioned, my lovely wife, Krista, on the front row, uh, we both serve at CBC and uh, our church is excited for you guys. And they were like, no, get away, go. We don't want to see you today. So you're stuck with me. But um, this morning... Before I jump in, I want to just pray for our time together in God's Word this morning. So would you pray with me? Lord, we give you praise today, and we just are so grateful for the opportunity to gather together as your people, as the body of Christ together, Lord. And we are just uh, pray that you would speak through your Word this morning, that you would uh, use my words to communicate your grace and your truth this morning. And Lord, I just pray humbly that, uh, if you, that you would help me with this, because if you don't, it will be really bad. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the topic today, the, the title, if you're a note taker, and some people are, and some people need titles, and I don't always title things, but the title for this morning is Appointed Ambassadors. And the reason for this is uh, it got recently, we were in a series, and the, the text, the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.20, kept getting thrown out. And it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And so this wasn't even the main text of the series, but this text kept gnawing at me the entire series. And so this idea of ambassadors has really began to stick in my head. And if you look at this verse, and again, this isn't even our main verse today, but I'm using this to set us up. If you look at this verse, we are being declared or appointed as ambassadors for Christ. And then we see what's happening. God making his appeal through us. There's our marching orders, by the way, as the ambassadors, that we are to make the appeal of God for God through us to other people. And we implore you on behalf of Jesus Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the message, that everybody hopefully would be reconciled to God. And as I was thinking of this verse and considering ambassadors, we're really not all that different. Have you ever noticed that scripture is intentional in its language? I mean, he calls us sheep in the scriptures. You know any sheep, real sheep, you understand why. And so when I got thinking about this idea of ambassador, I began to look up what an ambassador is and what it does, etc. And there's a couple of ideas that really apply to us. Ambassadors are appointed to their role. They're not generally people that work for it or apply for it. They're usually appointed. Now, sometimes there's some, you know, wrangling that goes on behind the scenes, but generally they're appointed. And the second thing is that they are the highest officer from their country representing their homeland. 
And I got thinking about this as followers of Christ, we know that there's a truth that we aren't actually citizens of this world anymore. And so we've been appointed by Christ to be his ambassador to the world with the message of the good news of Jesus. And hopefully this morning, what I'm going to communicate will encourage and transparently maybe challenge a little bit. Because sometimes in church world, we get rather comfortable in just going through the routine. And we need reminded once in a while. And so when we think about this idea of ambassadors, if it's true that we are ambassadors, then this place, the building, has an intention behind it. And if you've been in church for a long time, we use the language like, let's go to church, or I'm going to church, and there's nothing wrong with that. But scripture actually declares that the people are the church, not the building. So what is the building? How do we look at this place? How do we look at the facilities that God has blessed us with? Well, it got, I got thinking about that and the idea of an embassy attached into my head. And so here's a picture of the U.S. Embassy in London. How many now want to go to London? No, um, that's an incredible building. It's relatively new. I haven't picked up the year it was built or anything, but it's a relatively new building and it's the U.S. Embassy to the people in England. And it's interesting to me that this building has a specific purpose. The people that go into it have a specific role, but they don't stay there. They get sent out. And so I looked up what the definition of an embassy is, and here's a couple of interesting tie-ins to the definition of an embassy. It says it's a body of people entrusted with a mission to a sovereign or government, especially an ambassador and their staff, the official headquarters of an ambassador. So when we tie all this together and we begin to consider our lives and our roles as ambassadors, and when we consider what we think of of the church, it's really a place that we come in, we get refreshed, but we also get our marching orders and get sent back out. And so it was one of these ideas that began to surface. And so I got to think about what does it look like to be an ambassador? And Again, ambassadors are appointed, but my story and my journey is a little bit different. I started in full-time ministry at 19 years old. I was a youth pastor full-time at 19. Some of you with some wisdom are like, that's a really bad move. You would be right, especially me. No, um, but it was one of those ideas, and somebody recently asked, they're like, tell us about your call to ministry, and I, I was like, well, I felt compelled that this is what I would do, but there's also this reality of volunteering. You know, sometimes we use language like called, but sometimes we just have to step up and do, right? And so at 19, I began this journey, and, and think about that for a moment as the first time I'm in charge of a youth ministry, and I take a group of kids on a trip, and the church didn't have a van, so I had to rent a vehicle. I wasn't old enough to rent the vehicle. So just put in your head how this conversation goes at the, renovate, at the rental car place. I'm standing there. One of the gentlemen from the church, who's much older than I am, is standing there. And they're talking to him like he's in charge. Rightfully so, by the way. And I'm just standing there letting him go. And he all of a sudden, he's like, you know, before you explain too much, he's in charge. And points to this kid, essentially. And it began to dawn on me, and it's dawned on me on numerous occasions throughout the years, that I'm not quite sure I know what I'm doing. And if you ask the team at CBC, they would say about every Monday we realize that. But 
What I want us to understand this morning, and we're going to look at a text, and we're going to look at something that at the, at the outset is going to sound like a weird place to start. But hopefully by the time we're done that God will be able to show us some things and really just point out some things, again, that I said hopefully would encourage but also challenge us this morning. And the text this morning is in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 20 through 25. And as you're turning there, let me just set this up. The first and second Corinthians books that we have in our Bible are letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Now, historians tell us there may be more letters than this. These are the two that we have and that are in our scriptures. But if you read the tone of Corinthians, either one of them, they're largely corrective. They're largely stepping in and saying, hey, there's some things that are starting to get off kilter a little bit. Let me help you out. And so what we do is we're jumping into the middle of a conversation, really, that Paul is having with the church in Corinth. And he's doing some of that. It's not really a correction in this particular text. It's a bit more of clarity for them. But it starts in verse 20. It says, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then will they not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders and unbelievers enter, will they not say that the, you are out of your minds? But if all prophecy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convinced by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Now, there's a whole lot in there I don't have time for, primarily the middle. But there's things on the edges of this text that, that all of this is good, but there's three things out of the edges of this text I want to pull us to. And so, if keeping in the idea that we are assigned ambassadors, here's a few things that ambassadors have to do. And number one, ambassadors are aware of their surroundings. Ambassadors are aware of their surroundings. So think again, we go to London, and we've got the ambassadors there in, in London. They walk in, they, they get their assignments for the day, the week, the month, whatever it is, and then they leave, and they begin to mill around, and they go to parliament, and they go to all the different places that they go. And each and every place they go has a different audience. Each and every place that they walk into has a different bit of attention on them. And so as ambassadors, and we see it in verse 20, the opening verse, it's, it says, do not be children in your thinking, be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. So what Paul's saying here is be unequated with evil, but in your thinking have maturity and be wise and be uh, aware of the way that you come off. One commentator puts it, able to make full use of their thinking and judgment. Another way scripture puts it is be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. And really, as I was thinking about this idea of an ambassador, all of this begins to play, but let's talk about how it plays out at the embassy for just a moment. As a church, this is really where the idea of seeker-sensitive, not seeker-driven comes in. And I want to explain for a moment. Because even as a church, and this will happen as Pastor John gets here, people will come to see the new show in town. And people will begin to check out, and people will begin to be curious, and they'll hear about what's happening because you will all go out and talk about what's happening at West Highland. 
And as people begin to come, the idea is what they need to see, as Paul is instructing here, is, is well done, is people that are uh, aware that they're coming, that have prayed for them and aren't making the uncomfortable thing happen, but they're welcoming them and helping them be uh, brought in and understand the things of God. And there's, there's exciting days ahead for you specifically as a church. But let me give some warning, because change is coming. I've been a senior pastor. We were senior pastors for about nine years at a couple different places. And all, all the places I came, I followed a well-loved pastor. And change comes and change happens. But don't get nervous about that. Because largely, initially, the change happens because it's just somebody saying it differently. It's a different face. It's a different voice. It's said in different words. Change will happen. Things will sound different. Things will get done differently. None of us do the things the same way as another. But here's the part that you can walk in confidence with, is that the message doesn't change. The message hasn't changed for years at West Highland, at Community Bible, at BBC, at all of these churches, at Woodside. You'll have Doug next week. I'm glad I'm before Doug, not after her. At all of these churches, there's this idea that the message is the core, is the principle, is the thing that drives it. The execution of it can look all kinds of ways. And that's what it's an idea that we need to be aware of, is that as ambassadors, our, be aware of our surroundings, be aware of the people that are coming and going, and who's here and who's not, and who's visiting and who's checking things out. I know for me, that's one of the challenges when I speak is I've been in church my entire life. My mother, I was raised by a single mom. They divorced when I was seven. I have, don't, I'm not sure I missed a lot of church growing up. I tried the whole, and this is aging me a little bit, the whole Ferris Bueller thing, you know, heating the thermometer, licking the palms, all kinds of stuff to get out of church. Problem is my mom was a nurse, so if I was breathing, I was going. I've been in church my entire life, and there's just this idea that we go through the motions, and that's what I want to encourage and challenge you with now, is that this is an actually an exciting time to begin to say, God, what is next for us? How do we move forward with what you've called us to do? Again, the methods change, the message doesn't. And maybe you are here this morning, and you're like, I'm not sure I believe any of this stuff, but I'm checking things out. You're so welcome. You're so, we're, we're thrilled you're here, and we're, I know the people. I won't be here next week. I'll be cheering you on from a distance. But I know the people here are excited to have you and want to help you understand who God is in your life and the purpose he has for you. But the second thing is, so if ambassadors are aware of their surroundings, the second point is they're ambassadors even in the embassy. Again, go back to the embassy in London. They walk in the doors. They don't lose their title. They don't lose their responsibility. In fact, it's possible that the responsibility dials up when they go in the building. And it's true for us as followers of Christ as well. And there's some ways that this plays out and just quickly some, some ways under how we're ambassadors even in the, in the embassy. And honestly, you guys have this first one pretty much nailed down. Friendly and welcoming. Just be friendly. Just smile at people. Maybe you've been in the situation where you've walked in on a Sunday and it's been a really hard week. 
and you're in your head and somebody smiles at you or says hi or just says, hey, I'm glad to see you this week, and that kind of changes the whole week you had. And be aware of how you're presenting yourself. I tell our church, and I don't want them to do this all the time, but like I'd love for every so often they could just hear the conversation in my head as I'm having another one. And usually it's Sunday morning because typically on Sunday, if I'm out in the lobby, I have this problem that when I start thinking, my face does this. And I look just mean. And I'm not. I'm really not. I'm happy to be there. I'm excited to be there. But I will literally, in my head, the entire time, look happy, look happy, look happy, stay happy, be, smile, don't look mean. I'm saying, telling that to myself all the time. Some of you may need to do the same thing. Some of you may need to st- smile down a little bit, but just be, be welcoming, be happy. People are checking you out as a church, but think about this. They're not just checking West Highland out. They're checking God out. And this stat, I tell our church and our teams this all the time, but this stat has stuck in my head and it's blew my mind when I read it and it doesn't stop every time. People that study churches and first-time visitors and engagement and all that will tell you that a visitor, a first-time visitor, will make the decision if they're coming back to the church or not in the first 7 to 11 minutes of being on campus. They haven't experienced anything but you guys. We're ambassadors even in the embassy. And see, one of the things that I think it's important, and it's important for all of us that, are, that call ourselves followers of Christ, is we're aware of that, and we don't push that off on the assignments of the volunteers or the people serving. That we all come ready to participate. Now, hear me clearly. There's going to be weeks where you just need to come in, and you're just like, I just need to be loved, and I need to sit in God's presence, and I just need to be here. Have freedom to do that. But more consistently, be aware of those that are coming and be friendly and be welcoming. The second thing that affects the ambassador in the embassy is the realization that church isn't a spectator sport. It's really not. We'd like to think it is, and some days we wish it was. Uh, A couple weeks ago, Krista and I had the opportunity to just get away for her birthday, and we went to another church, and we walked in, and we grabbed a cup of coffee, and we sat, and we enjoyed, and we left. And in our roles, we get asked some questions on Sunday morning usually. And so it was kind of nice to just be a part of the church. And we get in the car and we start critiquing and we start talking about things. And we start talking about elements and, oh, did you see this? Or they could have done this. And it dawned on me that it was easy to critique because we had no blood on the field. It was really easy to judge and to question and to be curious as to why because we had no sweat in the game. And so church isn't a spectator sport. And so maybe maybe embassy isn't clicking for you. Maybe that's not helping. Here's another image. There's that of an aircraft carrier. This is an aircraft carrier. And depending on the size of that, there's up to 5,000 people that live on that boat. Ship, sorry. I got corrected last time I talked about aircraft carriers. But most of us only have Hollywood in our minds where there's five to seven people and they're the heroes and they do all the work and they're the only ones you see. And depending on your age, you've got either goose or rooster. 
If you haven't seen them, you're a little late. No spoilers, but catch up. But there's this idea that there's actually 5,000 people that serve on that ship and they have one mission, is to get the boat, ship, carrier, thing, to their mission to make the mission happen. Now there may be just a few that are visible, but all of them are responsible. Can you imagine the person in the engine room gets called down and the captain says, hey, we need to go X, and the person in the engine room's like, eh, don't really want to. That's their job. Or the captain, captain, where do we go? I don't care. Doesn't really work that way. And every person on the ship has an assignment, no matter how big or small, it all moves the mission forward. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. All were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And churches can be really, really similar to an aircraft carrier. The few get the credit but it takes everybody to move it. And think about, I love how Paul uses the human body to correlate to the spiritual body because there are parts that get done at a church that nobody thinks about. But even realize there's parts of the human body that nobody ever thinks about? When's the last time you thought of your pinky toe? Let me guess, like somewhere in the middle of the night when you cracked it on the coffee table, right? <laughs> then your entire body thought about the pinky toe right? The same is true in the body of Christ. We all play a role and we all hold a value and are important to move the mission forward. Here's the other thing ambassadors understand about being in the embassy, if you're taking notes, is we have to understand the difference between volunteering and serving. And there is a difference. Volunteering is it fits into my calendar, it's convenient for me, I'll go do it. Serving is the understanding that I'm pouring my life out for another. First Jesus, then people. It's the reason that Jesus can't, said that even God didn't come, he came into the form of a servant to be for, poured out for many. It's the example we see in Jesus. And actually, I did some snooping, and it's the desire, it's the goal, it's the purpose of West Highland. So here's a little bit of a reminder for you. I stole this right off your website. The purpose of West Highland Baptist Church is to glorify God as we share the good news of Jesus Christ. Ambassadors are aware of their surroundings. Show seekers how to know God and fellowship with others. We're ambassadors in the embassy and we're seeker sensitive. Surrender to live a Christ-like life, appointed ambassadors. Support one another by loving, nurturing, and equipping. It's not a spectator sport. Serve God through ministry and mission, which leads me to my third point. Ambassadors carry the message of another. Y'all thought I was preaching a new sermon. I just looked at your website. No, just kidding. It was the other way around. But it's who you are. It's in the DNA of West Highland. And I will tell you this about your incoming pastor, it's in his DNA as well. 
But ambassadors carry the message of another. The later portions of the text say this in verse 24 and 25. It says, but if all prophesy, in this particular word usage, it means proclaim the truth. And an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. That's a good day at church, people. Ambassadors carry the message of another. Here's the interesting part when I thought about ambassadors. When they go into a meeting or when they go into an assignment, they aren't able to communicate their perceptions. They're communicating the message from their authority. And it's an interesting reality. The authority is God's word, right? The authority is God's message and God's proclamation and the mission that God has put us on. And when we carry the message well, God is able to work in the lives of others. So it's true that we carry the message of another. We hear from God's word but we, on a Sunday, but we go and we, we spend time with God's word and we make it part of our everyday lives. If you want a real practical step on this whole morning, that's the one of them I would tell you, is make God part of your everyday conversation. And here's how it plays out. Maybe you go to work tomorrow and your coworkers are speaking up and you're talking about your weekend before you get rolling and hey what'd you do this weekend oh friday i went to you know my grandkids football game whatever saturday we had a family outing and we went and did this and then you know here we are back in another week we skipped sunday years ago i worked in the corporate world as we were going back through school and it dawned on me i knew some of the people that i worked with were believers as well but it dawned on me that conversation would play out week after week after week and so finally, I just started to say something, and I've encouraged churches I've been a part of since to do this. Monday, you don't have to regurgitate the whole sermon. You don't have to quote scripture. You can be like, well, Saturday we did this. Sunday we went to church, and we learned about ambassadors and aircraft carriers, and it was a great day, and then we're here at work. I promise you, somebody's going to ask you, what? <laughs> and then you get to talk about Jesus. It's never the message of ours that we're carrying, whether we're saying it loudly or quietly, the message is that of Jesus. Psalm 1830 says, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is the shield for those who take refuge in him. I get it. It's scary. I get it. It's nerve wracking. You may say, I can't share God's word. It's, it will go wrong. I promise you it won't go any wrong than it did for me one of the first times I tried. I was living in Phoenix, and we were going through this thing where we would go door-to-door -door evangelism. And so we go to this community in Phoenix, Arizona, and we walk up to the house, and it's got red and white and green flags, and it's got uh, pinatas hanging, and it's got Spanish decor hanging, and there is loud Spanish music coming through the windows. Everything in this house tells me they're Hispanic. So I knock on the door, I'm there with a, with a friend, we're going, and she's standing down here, and I'm knocking on the door, and I knock on the door, the woman comes to the door, and in Spanish, I ask if anyone speaks English. I'm telling you, this lady invented some words. In English, but began to yell at me why everyone assumes that all they do is speak Spanish. And I'm like, maybe because your house looks like this. But she just rips me a new one and slams the door shut, and I turn to leave, 
And my friend is literally on the ground rolling, laughing. She's like, that was amazing. You're an idiot. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I promise you, it probably won't go any worse than that. But just make it part of your everyday life. Philippians 1.6 says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There's another aspect of ambassadors that's dawned on me is that we have this perception that they have it all together. If you ever watch, you know, any of those proceedings or anything, any of those things happen, they come in and they're polished and they're, they just, they have this air about them. Promise you they don't. And sometimes we can fall into that in the church world, that we think the people that God uses are the people that have it all together. My challenge to that statement is, have you read the Bible? Because outside of Jesus, there isn't a whole lot of people in the Bible that had it all together. And so the reality is we carry the message of another because we know that his message is the only message worth hearing. And that if he's begun the good work in us, he's able to complete it. It's up to him, not us. Aren't you glad that salvation is instant, but sanctification takes a while? The idea of becoming more like Christ. And I'm going to ask the worship team to head back up. And I'm going to pray for us, but I want to leave with a question for you to think about this week. There's not a lot of handles here. There's not a lot of applications that you can carry away. And I understand that, but it's sort of on purpose because I don't want to presume to be able to tell you how to engage with this idea of being an ambassador. Because again, we're all appointed ambassadors and we all have an assignment specifically for us that God has given to you or to me. And so the question you see there on the screen is what is the assignment that you are hesitating to accept? What is the area that God is saying, you need to be my ambassador here, and you right now are saying, I'm not so sure I want to do that? Maybe there's somebody here this morning that is even actually questioning whether they trust the person giving the assignment. And scripture tells us that all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. And the reason that that sounds so simple is because that part kind of is. It's coming to a realization that everyone here who declares themselves to be a follower of Christ has had to come to. That everything we tried, everything we were trying to do to fill the hole in our soul fell short. And the only answer for that is the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin that we can't afford and it's available for everyone and so I just want to take a moment if you'd pray with me this morning and maybe you're here and you would say I have yet to follow Jesus or to ask Jesus to be savior of my life right where you're at I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to call you out right where you're at between you and God you can do this now And I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can use my words or just use it as a framework because it's not the prayer that saves you. It's the heart and the attitude of submission. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on that cross to pay the price for my sin, to pay a price that I couldn't afford. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin to forgive me of trying to be my own God, 
And I surrender to you and ask you to come and be my Savior and be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you sing this song with us and then I'll close in prayer.
Lord, we do just simply take a moment and just thank you for what you've done. Lord, that your grace is sufficient to rescue and to save, but that your grace is big enough to keep and to hold. And Lord, we are just so humbled that to be called your people, to be called your child. But Lord, now I just pray for West Highland. Lord, I am truly excited for what you're doing in and among them. Lord, I'm grateful for this church that has been a lighthouse to this community. And Lord, I just pray a blessing upon this transition time. I know there's nerves. I know there's uncertainty. But Lord, I just pray that the hearts of the Jenkins and the people of West Highland would be bound together quickly. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work in, the, in this midst. And I pray that as they continue the mission that they've been assigned to do, that, Lord, that you would do abundantly more than they can think or ask. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. Thanks for the privilege to be with you. Have a great week.